Hey friends, welcome to the Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast during this season of Advent. My name is Steve Weens, and I'm a pastor and an author, but I'm also a Transforming Community alumnus from way back in 2011. As always, I'm alongside Transforming Center founder and my dear friend, Ruth Haley Barton, as we explore the themes of Advent as a season of transformation, in which we invite the presence of Christ's light into the darkness. We'd like to invite you to consider using these episodes as spiritual practices during the season of Advent. So maybe consider lighting a candle and listening to them in a quiet place in your home instead of listening while driving or exercising. You might also consider listening to each week's scripture passages daily, even after you've listened to the content of each episode. If you'd like to listen to an audio file of the scriptures only for each of the weeks of Advent, simply go to the episode notes and find the link. Lastly, we hope you'll head on over to transformingcenter.org patron and consider becoming a patron of our podcast. If you do so at any level, you'll receive a free download of the Reflections for Cycle B for Advent so you can follow along as we have our conversations in each episode. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy this week's episode. Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom, and gently lead the mother's sheep. Psalm 85, verses 1 through 2 and 8 through 13. Lord, you were favorable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin, Selah. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, 
to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8-15a through 15a. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of persons ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire? But in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth, where righteousness is at home. Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace, without spot or blemish, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the throng of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Hey everybody, welcome to the second Sunday of Advent here in year B. Uh, what sort of persons ought we to be? And once again, the scripture passages for this week are luminous. Uh, what are some of the ones that stood out for you, Ruth? Oh, Steve, let's start with you this time. I okay. started out last time. You start. Sure. Well, I love the very first one that's Isaiah 40, 
the first couple of verses uh, give me great hope. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Mm-hmm. I notice there is not very much kind and compassionate rhetoric and language one I to agree. another these mm-hmm. days. There's just a whole lot of judgment, self-righteousness, yeah. intolerance, no matter what side of any side that you're on. And I find this just tremendous. Like it makes me just lower my shoulders and breathe, <laughs> you know, speak tenderly. Yes. Nobody's to, doing anything tender no, anymore. <laughs> really? And it's mm-hmm. like right here in the middle of Isaiah, which can be really bizarre at times. Mm-hmm. We find this very comforting verse. I, yeah. uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciated that as I read that even today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Well, I was really struck by Second Peter 3, verse 8, um, where the writer says, Do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like one day. You know, and here we are in month eight of this oh. pandemic. <laughs> and I'm, these eight uh, months have felt like a thousand years, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, I just, I, I don't know everything that that means. I maybe puts it in perspective that even though this eight months already of having been in the p- pandemic, um, even though they feel like a thousand years to us, um, God's still got a bigger picture going on. Yeah. God sees us in the world in a, in a bigger picture um, and that God's not defined by time and, yeah. and the way we are. So I wish I could be more like that. I just want to be more like feeling this eight months as a day. Um, rather than oh feeling like it's gosh. been a thousand years. Um, so that's that was something that struck me in a brand new way for this particular time. It's so interesting about the lectionary is that if you're following the, the, the Revised Common Lectionary, it means you're coming up against the same scriptures every three years, except that you're going through something different when you encounter it again. And so this is one of those places where I realize that what's happening in my life determines actually what I see in these scriptures, or you could look at it another way and say that uh, you come back to these scriptures at a different time in your life and God has some new fresh opportunity to speak to you right where you are, even though it's the same scriptures that that you read in a cycle every three years. I think that's just so great about this practice of reading the lectionary. And so I'm struck by that this year. Mm. Um, And then, you know, at the very end of that passage, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace. And that struck me, too, because we are waiting for things. We're waiting for our economy to open up. We're waiting for um, us to get a handle on this pandemic. I mean, there's a lot that we're waiting for. But Peter says, while you're waiting, strive to be found by him at peace. That's a real challenge to me these days is as we wait, how do we become people of peace? So that's a Mm. part of the answer to the question on this particular episode, what sort of persons ought we to be? Well, peaceful, having some kind of deep inner peace that um, passes all understanding, given all that we're in the midst of is certainly part of what we're called to be. Mm. Well, it just brings up another one of the major themes of Advent is learning how to wait in times of deep, deep pain, suffering, Mm -hmm. uncertainty, and loss, which is what we're all dealing with now. Mm -hmm. Um, I need to say one other passage that I love, and it's just a phrase, but I love how Mark starts 
Mark 1, the beginning yeah. of the good news of Jesus Christ, yes. the Son of God. I was struck like, by that one too. The, the begin here yeah. we go. And yeah. mm-hmm. you know, the theme of Advent, the, the coming of Christ, the initial coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. But then as you call it, the third coming of Christ, which is how Christ comes into our ordinary existence right here and right now, as we're learning to wait, as we're learning to become people of peace, uh, the surprising ways that the beginning of the gospel shows up again, you mm-hmm. know, in our lives. I love that. I love yeah. that. I've always loved yeah. that, how, how Mark starts. So Ruth, let's, let's get into the, the, the gospel reading for the week because John the Baptist is quoted when he urges the people of his time to prepare the way of the Lord, to make his paths straight. Well, what do you think he means by that? What does it mean to prepare the way of the Lord, to make his paths straight? Well, one thing it makes me think about is that I don't think Jesus is going to bully his way in to our lives, that, that Jesus is looking for receptive hearts, looking for people who want him to be with them and looking for for those who have cleared out obstacles in their lives. And so I think um, the the rough spots that need to be smoothed over in our lives, the crooked places that need to be straightened out with truth telling, um, valleys of darkness and bad behavior that, that need to be raised up and brought out into the light, um, the confession that needs to take place. There are real obstacles. I mean, Jesus is polite. Jesus is going to stand at the door and knock, but he is not going to bash the door down. And so what would it take in my life to indicate my receptivity to Jesus coming in? What are the places that I have walled off? You know, and is there any chance that Jesus knock is knocking and how can I open the door? Those are the questions that I think about, given the fact that Jesus comes by invitation. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we know that there are a couple of places in scripture where Jesus, you know, gets a little bit more forward with people like Paul. He knocks Paul off his horse, you know, to get to get his attention because he couldn't get it any other way. But that is typically not Jesus' way. And so um, I think the way that we prepare is by creating these silent spaces, you know, yeah. where Jesus can come in. And when, when our intention is to open the space for Jesus, then I, I believe he will because he is so faithful. Um, sometimes we can acknowledge sins in our lives that we realize keep us free from being open to the presence of Christ or given over to the presence of Christ in any given moment because we are holding on to our own agenda, mm-hmm. um, holding tightly to our own agenda or God's invitations for us to be loving and tender and comforting, but we have resistance to that. We don't want to give that away to other people for some reason that's inside us. Yeah. Um, and that if we can find ways to remove the obstacles, that I think that's what's being invited here. And certainly John the Baptist is getting at confession, you know, repentance that leads to very specific confession. That's what he's crying out for here. Um, that we prepare specifically by repenting, repenting yeah. of sin, removing obstacles, receiving God's forgiveness. Well, I, I, when you mentioned Paul and him having to be knocked off his horse, what it made me think of is that, you know, Jesus in his grace will meet us according to who we are. You know, so Paul probably, it was probably was going to take something that aggressive for someone as yeah. aggressive as Paul. He had Paul. to be roughed up a little bit, he, well, <laughs> apparently. He, 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 he was so smart, you know, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so driven by his own will that he needed to be blinded, you know, and like really like meet the Christ in the middle of 
on his way somewhere else. And I think for others of us, maybe it would be more gentle because maybe we're more sensitive. And and it just I just realized that preparing the way or clearing out the obstacles, one of the beautiful things of Jesus, I think, is that Jesus will meet us according to who we are. And and in any any way, shape, or form to be met by Jesus, even if it's you know, like Paul uh, is a grace, you know, yes. and, and maybe it stirs up as a, de- a desire in us to clear out some of the path, clear out some of the obstacles, you know, because we're going to meet the one that loves us, the one that created us, the one that is with us. Yeah. That, um, that's, that's a hopeful picture for me. Um, yeah. What do you, if I can reverse, you know, yeah, kind of the dynamic here, what Steve, what would be an obstacle that you might think of in your own life as it has to do with preparing the way of the Lord? Do you have an, an, a cr- concrete idea about an obstacle that could be removed? I really do. And it's it's an invitation and I feel okay sharing it because I'm months into it, but mm-hmm. sharing it publicly, but an invitation that I have felt and I've been sitting with my spiritual director about it for months now. I'm an Enneagram three, you know, I'm an author and speaker and I like to broadcast my message to anyone who will listen <laughs> to be as successful as possible. And the invitation has clearly been to be more private, more secret, and more selective, and not to broadcast, but just wait for people to come to me in terms of. And so the obstacle that I've had to clear away is my own need for validation, my own need to feel uh, important. And let me just note, like doing things that are, quote, good, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to um, I'm trying to talk about God's love to people and we would call that probably a good thing, but it's, but for me, it had become an obstacle because I had attached too much of my own personal worth to people's response to it. Mm-hmm. And so I was invited into a season of time where, you know, the obstacle is ego and pride mm-hmm. and, you know, that's been hard actually for an Enneagram three to shut up. <laughs> And not draw attention to their successes, draw attention to our successes. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, and what I have found is while it has been hard and I have felt like I've been disappearing, uh, there have been small gifts that I don't think I would have received, like people that I have connected with that has just been sort of surprisingly amazing. So yeah, that, that would be one for sure um, Mm -hmm. that I'm, you know, wrestling with, yeah. <laughs> journaling about, you know, trying yes. to say yes yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And it's been funny, like I, I've had to literally, um, you know, Enneagram 3 is like they have an idea and then immediately that idea is going to get shared, you know? So I've had to consciously... Well, and our technology aids us in that yes. too, is that, yes. that we don't have to wait for anything to put the newest idea that an insight that came to our minds, which is, I think it's harmful, honestly, to oh, the it soul. Is. Well, um, because it prevents that kind of privacy that you're talking about that's so necessary for God to incubate anything new. I love that word incubation. Otherwise, it just gets ripped out. You know, it just gets that's ripped exactly out. exactly right. And I think, so, too, it gets yeah. put out there before it's fully baked. It goes out yes. half-baked yes. rather than fully cooked, you know? Yep. So I'm but glad you're naming like, that. Even notice, like, in, and I'm not saying this to draw attention to myself, in it, but even notice, like, I said I'm comfortable sharing this because I'm months into it, you know? Like mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be, I didn't share it with anyone other than my very, very close community when I was receiving this invitation at first, you know, because mm-hmm. again, 
just what you just would have said or what you just did say would have happened. But I did. I, I've been off of social media for about 40 days mm -hmm. now because I can't handle the temptation. You know, I have to be off yeah. <laughs> or else I will I will try to be impressive with my witty erudite comments uh -huh. on anyway yeah. it's it's funny and and it's sweet it's god's grace to me that god would say well hey you know there's there's more than that there's more than mm -hmm. success yeah one that i'm aware of for myself right now is um an, a real obstacle to the coming of jesus into my life and into our lives is um cynicism yeah Not, you know nothing can ever get better despair fatalism yeah. Yeah. Just numbness, yeah. you know, because there are so many things that are hard and so many things that, that feel out of our control and um, cynicism. It is a real barrier to the coming of Jesus in our lives. Cynicism does not help um, because it's a very hardened position. Um, we don't believe anything. Cynicism doesn't allow you to believe in anything like Jesus coming or that Jesus could come and do anything good. It doesn't call, it doesn't help us believe the best in other people. Um, despair. I think right now the tendency to be given over to numbness and despair and just cynicism, I think is a real obstacle to a true encounter with Jesus in the mm. depths of our being. And some of that just has to be swept out of the way in order for us to invite Jesus into the, these deeper places. Cynicism keeps him out. Oh, that's such a good one, Ruth. And I think you said cynicism is a way of numbing, you know, like it's a way of not yeah, to not have to yeah. feel the pain. The how pain. Hard some I can just of these be angry are. about it, mad about it. Exactly. And mm -hmm. dismissive and divisive yeah. and demonizing everybody yeah. else. And honestly, I think that a lot of leaders are there right now that this has been the situation we're in has been so long term. We're so tired we see it now stretching out longer than any of us had ever planned. And it's hard to stay present to the discouragement um, and the concern and the exhaustion. It, those are hard things to stay present to. So it's easier to get hardened and cynical, but that doesn't really create an opening for Jesus to come. So, yeah. Oh, I think um, cynicism creates a false energy too. Like we, it feels like yeah. we're stirring. Yeah. You up. laugh and it's funny, but yeah. it doesn't help anything. You know, mm -hmm. Oh, gosh. Um, I, I, I'm interested that John the Baptist in verse 7 of Mark 1, you know, he actually also exercises a very uh, particular kind of humility. He says, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I think that that humility um, speaks to the fact that there is a pride that we have to set aside, too, in order for Jesus to come. Um, a realistic sense of who we are relative to the person of Jesus, um, that we're not here to aggrandize ourselves. None of us are. And for leaders, that's, I mean, in, in many, maybe in many ways, that's even connected to what you were sharing is that for leaders, we tend to be self-aggrandizing, but John is showing us by example that in order to prepare the way of the Lord, you have to have a realistic sense of yourself. Yeah. Uh, real, the realization that I'm not God, I'm not Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, the one who's coming after me, the one that I proclaim is the really, truly active agent in any story, you know? Um, <laughs> yes. So, Not so, so a kind of humility that John, um, I think, models for us there in Mark 1, that that's a way of preparing, is by humbling ourselves in the presence mm -hmm. of the one who comes.
Yeah. Jeez. Well, I want to get, I, I really do want to talk a little bit more about confession because I think it's very related to humility, you know, like real yeah, true I confession, did, sure. being honest mm-hmm. about what is without getting lost in self-hatred or so yeah. how do we practice good, honest confession these days, Ruth? How do we do that? Well, I think it begins with good, honest self-examination. I mean, there's a prayer that we use in the Transforming Center on our sixth retreat, which is about the false self and the true self. And a prayer that we use, the first line of it is, God, help me find my confession. Mm. That thing that I keep hidden from my eyes, the, the thing that I don't acknowledge. And so to do that, you have to open yourself up to a God-guided, spirit-guided process of self-examination. And what I mean by self-examination biblically and theologically and spiritually is that it's an invitation to the Holy Spirit to examine us. We're not, you know, through some morbid introspection, examining ourselves as much as we are letting the Holy Spirit reveal to us things that we have kept outside of our awareness or um, have just refused to acknowledge. Mm-hmm. So you can't get to confession without doing some self-examination Yeah, where the invitation is for God to search us and know us and show us those things we haven't been able to see. And that's what sets us up then to be able to actually, the way this prayer talks about it, confess it towards the light, mm-hmm. you know, um, bring it into the light and it's a, that, that to me is that Valley that's, that's getting raised up, oh, yeah. you know, um, out into the light. So self-examination as a spiritual practice, God guided, spirit guided, where we invite the Holy Spirit to search us and to know us and to show us those things about us that are not just wicked, but maybe, um, unhealthy, unhelpful, non-productive. I think there's all sorts of words we can use, you know, uh, show me that unproductive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So it begins with self-examination. And then I think with confession, to be as specific as possible, not only about the thing itself, but the where does that come from? You know, um, because that's where the transformation is going to take place is yeah. some sense of understanding of where did that come from so that we can kind of deal with it at the root we, it doesn't really do all that much good to change behaviors without going to the root because you can't keep it going. You can change one behavior maybe, but it's going to come back. Um, it's like a tap root mm-hmm. um, where, you know, like when you pull dandelions out of your yard, I get a spiritual lesson every time I pull a big fat dandelion out of my yard that if I just get the top of it mm-hmm. and I don't get the root, it's going to come back probably worse. Yeah. And I think it's the same with sin is if we don't, um, you know, pull it out at the root then it's just going to come back and come back worse. So to go back and understand where it comes from within in the psyche, within our our formation or our deformation, is is really significant. Um, yeah, is that is that consistent with what you experienced? Yeah, you? and as you were talking, it made me realize just personally, as I try to do self examination, there are times where I think even in an earnest desire to be to confess, I, I it without being led by the Spirit into it. I can yeah. get on a, on a rabbit trail on something that I might say, yeah, that's a sin. I need to confess, but it's the wrong, like it's not really the root or it's not really what I need to be, you know, thinking about. And so even confession can turn into a self-willed controlled exercise without the Holy Spirit's leading. And um, I mean, again, I, I underlined something that you wrote from the pamphlet or the booklet, the Advent booklet, it's the last sentence you say and may the spirit enable us to grow in love 
so that the glory of the Lord may be revealed in us. Yes, yes, yes. That's the journey. And I think when it comes to confession, boy, I can get real either perfectionistic or um, uh, self, I can self-flagellate pretty easily um, versus really being honest about seeing something and then allowing God to do the work in me so I can change it. So God can change it. So yes, very consistent. So let's just mention three at least levels of confession, just so we're clear. There's a confession that we can make before the Lord um, in our private devotion, but then there's also the confession that we can make to a trusted confessor or a spiritual director or something like that. But then this may be the practice I want us to think about for this week. There's also the confession that you make to the people that you've hurt in your life. And I just wonder if part of preparing the way um, could, could for some of us be to, first of all, practice self-examination leading to confession in God's presence, but is also, is there anything that I know that I've done to wrong another person where I just haven't had the humility to go to that person and say, I'm sorry, I did that to you. Yeah. This is what I'm growing to understand about that behavior. I have confessed it to the Lord, but now I want to confess it to you. Can you forgive me? I mean, that to me is the real work of preparing the way of the Lord. That's I mean, powerful. getting rid of the obstacles, wiping them out, getting them out of the path. And I think that creates a huge opening for the spirit of Jesus to come in and be with us in some brand new ways and do some healing work among us that needs to be done. We need to be healed. We do for our own sake and for the sake of others, you know, it it goes both ways. That's right. That's I thank you for those, those three um, forms of confession for that differentiation because I think all of them belong and all of them matter. And I think what a great practice. Um, And um, you know, as we wrap up the episode, um, how would you like to, to close? How would you like to lead us into silence today, Ruth? Well, um, first of all, maybe we could just feel Jesus comforting presence, God's comforting presence and feel the tender, safe space that we're in with God, that, um, it is God saying comfort, oh, comfort my people. So just to sit as we begin to get quiet with feet flat on the floor, back straight, hands open, lighting our candle, just to sense God's comforting presence with us today, that God is wanting to comfort us in all of our losses and all of our difficulties, and that God is tender towards us today. It's good to feel that tenderness from God because it helps the soul to open up in moments like this. And it, it occurs to me that you almost have to have that safe comforting, tender presence of God to even go into confession in a way that feels safe and not threatening. Um, And then um, this question of the people that we want to be and need to be in order to welcome Christ. What sort of person ought we to be in order to welcome Christ? Um, To actually ask the spirit of Jesus to search us and to know us and to show us what has been sinful, yes, but maybe just unproductive, unhealthy, to show a broken way in me, Um, but to invite the Holy Spirit to guide us, and then whatever he guides us to do. um, Out of that, is there someone I need to make a real confession to because I've hurt them? Is there a confessor that it would be really good for me to just name it out loud and say, this is what I'm knowing about myself. This is what I'm holding in God's presence for God's transforming work, and um, can also experience God's forgiveness 
in those places. So however God might lead us in self-knowledge through self-examination and then confession, I think is the practice for the week. Beautiful. So here's our prayer before we have a few moments of silence. Gracious God, my sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what my lips tremble to name, what my heart can no longer bear, and what has become for me a consuming fire of judgment. Let me feel your comfort and your tenderness today. Set me free from a past that I cannot change. Open to me a future in which I can be changed and grant me grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world.
Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. We're currently accepting applications for our next Transforming Communities Spiritual Formation Experience for Christian Leaders. You can explore the next Transforming Community by visiting transformingcenter.org slash transformingcommunity. The music on this episode comes from a recording produced by the Transforming Center called Advent, Music and Solitude. The scriptures on this week's episode were read by Mary Martin Weens. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider leaving a rating and review wherever you listen. And please also consider supporting us by becoming a patron by visiting transformingcenter.org slash patron.